0: Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined by Amanda Loudon today, uh, one of the coaches from the Train Like a Mother Club. Hello, Amanda.
1: Hi there. Happy to be here.
0: Good, good. So you, in addition to being a coach, you are a freelance writer. So what articles have you been working on lately? What writing Um, have you been doing?
1: Yeah. So, um, a lot of, um, running related things. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had one last week that came out talking about caffeinated gums. Oh, um, okay.
0: Yeah. I saw that. I, yeah. I, uh, was really, I saw you tweeting that up and I went and looked at it and it, um, got me thinking about, I think we need a caffeinated gum to be a partner of another mother runner. So run gum, we're coming after you. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, that was, that was a fun one because it's, that's definitely something I've never used. And, um, yeah. So I was curious about it, and you know, curious about its efficacy. And um, so that, that, that was pretty cool to to learn about a little bit about that one. So,
0: so, so what's the uh, thirty second? Um, yeah, you know, caffeinated gums, yay, nay. When should you be using them?
1: Yeah, I would say it's a yay. Um, They are absorbed really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, But I also everything I turned up um, is that it's not something that's going to replace your gels or your your noon or things like that. It's Mm -hmm. something that you're going to use in addition to. So, um, you know, especially if you're out there for the long haul. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're supposed to be a great kind of pick me up in maybe the later miles of a marathon. Um, They give you a little more mental clarity, just a little bit of a a spring in your step, I guess at the end. Um, so kind of I guess that's that's the way to think of using them.
0: And yeah, and caffeine also helps you kind of um, not ignore pain, that's the wrong, but you know, um, push harder right. in the face of discomfort.
1: Right, right. It can kind of um, mask pain, I guess, mm-hmm. a little bit, just mm-hmm. make you feel better about, it. you know, not that it doesn't feel quite so bad. And mm-hmm. wouldn't we all like to not feel so bad at mile twenty-three <laughs> of a marathon? So
0: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my goodness. And, and what else have you been working on?
1: Um, and uh, yeah, so uh, um, I've got another piece coming out looking at. Um, yoga and running and oh. looking at you know whether or not they really are this fantastic match that we oh. all kind of consider them to be oh that's so, interesting uh yeah it hasn't run yet so i'm just going to kind of leave it um hanging out there um because uh-huh. I, I don't want to give, give it all yeah. away but yeah. um yeah that and um and i've been doing some essay writing i've got one about um parenting that came out not that oh. long ago so oh. um, that one was um interesting
0: <laughs> and what was tell us about that
1: so um, that one was talking a little bit about, um, you know, as we, as our kids get older, um, talking about how it, it gets into the, you know, the, the, the typical cliche, the little kids, little problems. And you can start, you know, you get into the teenage years and it becomes big kids, big problems. And I've really learned that this year. And, um, but one of the things that I've noticed among um, the mother community is that we're also open And willing to talk about, you know, poopy diapers and sleep deprivation and this, that, and the other. But then when our kids get into their teen years, we're not communicating like we used to. And, you know, and I don't know if it's that, um, you know, maybe people start becoming embarrassed, you know, because it's a bigger issue. You know, like, hey, I think my kid had a ball of beer, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And people aren't so anxious to share those details. And I think that maybe this is a time, though, when your kids are in their teens that we need to be sharing a little bit more. Um, Oh, I I wrote that I can't tell you
0: that, I can't tell, I mean, I'm literally sitting here with my mouth open because, I mean, these are the things that I have been thinking about. And I have actually never heard the phrase, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. And I I think I might have to get tattooed on my arm now um, (laughs) um, because just, uh, I mean, Molly, my writing partner and I just talked about it on Saturday. And it was just like, I said to her, I said, you know, I think about, you know, that I used to just be like, Oh my gosh, you know, my, my kids drew on my walls or, or, you know, that uh, an exploding diaper or whatever. I'm just like, Oh my gosh, that'd be such a joy to just have an exploding diaper. Like these are, because these are the the problems that I'm dealing with, with my twins and different ones with my 14 year old. They're not things that are going to get better with one night of sleep on either side or exactly. you you know, there's no easy solution to these things. There's no sleep training you can do. There's no, you know, switch to a, you know, a rice cereal or something like that. And I I don't mean to minimize, you know, being in the trenches with a baby or toddler, any of that. I mean, that's tough, but, but man, I wish somebody now had just like taken me by the shoulders and been like, enjoy the hell out of this because it's going to get so stinking hard. And I mean, Like, I honestly, honestly, on Saturday night, I fantasized about, like, where suddenly I was like, you know, I could just pretend I had a business trip and go somewhere. Like, just to (laughs) escape. And, I mean, that's terrible. That's terrible to be like, oh, you know what? I could pretend there's a race in San Diego. And, I I mean, I'm such a cheapskate. People who are listening are like, Sarah, you'd never buy a plane ticket. But, like... To just go sit on a beach and not be able to hear—I mean, bickering doesn't even begin to cover what's going on in my yeah. house these days. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 absolutely. And it—it's big, oh. scary stuff now, oh. um, with big yeah. implications. Yeah, yeah, that's and, a,
0: yes, yes, yeah. and 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 our problems that are are you know mood problems that are happening to a ninth grader? Does that mean she's going to be, you know, in a huge trench as a junior in high school? Is she going to not go to a college, you know, that, you know, which is the path that we happen to choose for our children? Like, like what, what's the implication, what is the long-term, you know, is this just going to be shit for a year or is this going to be long-term shit? Yes.
1: Yes. That's, that's, that's a great way to talk about it because yeah. Um, like you said, the, the, the smaller problems, the younger kids, they, they're, they're phases. Now mm-hmm. we don't know if they're phases. We don't know mm-hmm. if this isn't permanence, right? Mm-hmm. Or something mm-hmm. leading into something even bigger and scarier. So, oh, yeah.
0: I know. I know because I think, oh, well, you know, so she suffers from anxiety now. Does that mean she's going to, you know, that schizophrenia is around the corner? or right, right. You know, right. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, people fall off the rails is, is are one or more of my kids going to fall off the rails and is what should I be doing to keep them on the rails?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And Uh. and, you know, so, so I went, when I wrote this, um, this column, uh, this essay, um, you know, went out in the Washington post and then I made the mistake of putting it on Facebook. And Mm -hmm. what happened from there is that the community of mothers around here, I mean, I liked it because it got people talking. However, Mm -hmm. The community of local mothers also, so that they started talking to their kids about this particular article. Mm-hmm. And then the kids went to school and and, and took it out on my son. Oh. Oh <laughs> and my so gosh. then I had backlash, and I had like a whole week of, of giving up any dialogue with my son. Like he didn't talk to me for a whole week after oh this. My so, gosh. Um, yeah, so, you know, it just, and so then I was like, okay, I just learned a big lesson about parenting a teen. You know, there's only so much you should be, as mm-hmm. much as we want to share and communicate. Uh, maybe not put it on Facebook. Right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, it's, it's um, y- you just never know where things are going to take you and um, how to handle this right. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I learn something every day. <laughs>
0: oh so, my gosh. I mean, I, I well, that's the thing. I mean, I want to try to learn something every day because, because it seems like every day now I find what I don't know and what I can't fix, you know, and, yes. that, and that everybody yes. turns to, at least in my house, everybody turns to me for the answer. And it's just right. like, I just don't. I mean, my twins are just at each other. It is just bad, bad, bad. And it's just like, I don't have the answer. I just don't yeah. know how to fix this problem. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so I'm like, That's okay, hard. you know, we need to go to family counseling. And, you know, our daughter, you know, the girl twin is just like, no, no, I will not do that. I will not. And I'm like, I will physically pick you up and put you in the van. And when we get there, I'll physically carry you into the, the therapist's office. Like that's, there's yeah. just no, and, yeah. and, you know, and I have to say to her, I don't know how to make this problem better. I don't know how to smooth this out. You yeah. Know?
1: Yeah. And, yeah. And that's, just and that's it. And I think it's, it's, that's hard too, because your kids, they do expect you to have the answers and, you know, or the solutions and, and, and we, we just don't, we're, we're, we're learning oh. too as we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. Well, I got to say, though, it it does, you know, like so many things um, in the news lately, it does help to know that other people are feeling the same way or yes. struggling with the same things.
1: A- and, absolutely.
0: You know, and, um, and.
1: And we can learn from each other. You know, mm-hmm. we do need to have those dialogues. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like I said, maybe more privately than Facebook, but, um, you know, we do need to have those dialogues. We do need to keep the communication lines open and talk about these things and not be, not be embarrassed. I mean, I, I feel like my, I have no pride left when it comes to parenting I mean, it's gone. <laughs> I don't, you know, I look, like I have made mistakes and, you know, but it, it's, We can, we can all help each other and and be supportive of one another and not judge one another and, you know, just, just keep that communication going and, and we can all get through it together, hopefully.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I do have to say that it's one of the many, many, many great things about running is that you can talk about a lot of these things with a running partner or on a group run or something, because you don't have to look people in the face, you know, tears mixed with sweat, You know, if if your voice catches, you can pretend it's because you're a little out of breath, not because you're kind of overwhelmed with emotion. (laughs) Um, And and just while you're out there, you're away from home, and it doesn't feel quite as um, daunting and of heavy of a burden. Absolutely. You know, and it's that hour or whatever that you can be out of the house, and you got to got to face the music when you get home. But at least getting out there. some fresh air and some conversation always helps.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I know like in my running group, I've got friends with kids who are older and who've made it through Mm -hmm. all of these times. And Mm -hmm. it's so wonderful to be out there running with them and just bouncing things off of them and, and, you know, getting their advice and yeah. And so, yeah, we Mm -hmm. can all do that for each other Mm -hmm. when we're out there too. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, there's, there's no segue into this, today's topic. Um, we are delighted Absolutely delighted, thrilled uh, to be welcoming back a man who really needs no introduction in the running world. It is Bart Yasso. Bart is Runners World Magazine's chief running officer. As part of that job, he travels to at least one race expo almost every weekend of the year. For real, it's true. Um, He's completed races on all seven continents, including finishing five Ironman triathlons and winning the Smoky Mountain Marathon in 1998. Um, a lesser known fact about Bart is he was a guest on the eighth episode of the Another Mother Runner podcast um, <laughs> when he actually uttered a line that then Dimity and I completely um, shanghaied. We, um, it was uh, never take a finish line for granted. And uh, oh. every time Dimity would say that in a talk that we'd give in an expo, I'm always like wanting to be like, see the little floating footnote sign that's like, Bart Yasso. <laughs> <laughs> you know November third nineteen uh, or two thousand eleven another mother runner podcast um, <laughs> um, so um so we had intended to talk to Bart about kind of how to get into tougher, bigger races, and um, we've already recorded the conversation and our conversation starts that way and Bart ends us ends up leading us on a conversation that just really takes a lot of twists and turns that we didn't see coming, and it's just a really fantastic. Really fantastic conversation. Um, not so much about telling you how to get into big races, but you know, I think it'll give you a lot of clarity and um, introspection about running, and it's just um, a wonderful time. So we will come back to that conversation after a quick break. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Bart. It's great to have you on the podcast again.
2: Oh sir, Good to be back.
0: Okay, Bart, so for the few listeners, the very few who aren't familiar with who you are, how do you describe what you do with runners' world? at least through the end of
2: 2017. Sure, sir. Yeah, so I've been at Runner's World almost 30 years. I've been doing this running stuff for 40 years. But in my 30 years at Runner's World, my job evolved. And these days, I really am that liaison between Runner's World and all the runners out there you know, in the outside world, outside of our office, to really connect and come away with great stories and to meet thousands of runners every weekend and to uh, share all the resources we have at Runner's World to enhance people's running and help people's running and to get them to take their running to another level. Uh, I do a lot of speaking engagements when I'm out there to try to connect with people and to try to inspire them to take their running to another level. Mm -hmm. uh not to become complacent where they are right now and uh but also you know the biggest thing i think is you know i just every day i come into my office thinking i gotta get not just a person i gotta get lots of people who today Don't run, don't think they could ever be a runner and get them out there. Because I know as chief running officer, if I can get people to start running and I can get them to that first running event, whether it's a race or a run from a running store or with a group of other runners, whatever it is, once they get to that group, the running community takes over and I can just step away and they're hooked forever. As you guys know, the running community is very uh, contagious, the enthusiasm (laughs) and the love out there. So my job, though, is to get them to take those first steps. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, because they think everyone that's running was just born a professional runner and we're all fast. And as you know, that's not true. Yeah, not at all. they, They find people just like them and then they find the support system that's out there. And then they challenge themselves to a race or a run and then they Realize they can do this, and as I said, the running community takes over, and my job is done. The running community <laughs> changes them into uh, rabid, crazy runners, <laughs> and then they start sharing the love, and that's how this community has grown to what it is today.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you've done such an amazing job with this too, though, Bart. I mean, you have to give yourself credit because I, I everywhere you go, and I, and like you, we were just talking about Twitter, all over Twitter, um, you know, you are beloved, and and I think. You know, you have done this perfect job of making it an accessible sport to everyone and welcoming everyone in. And, you know, your 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 fan base reflects that.
2: Oh, Amanda, that, that is nice to hear because, I mean, I hope that happened and that was my goal to have happen, whether, you know, it really came to fruition is one thing. But, uh, you know, as I read all the tweets and Facebook posts about my retirement, i the love is out there, so uh, I feel very lucky. But I was actually, you know, I, I was put in this position to, to do this. So, uh, you know, when I started at Runner's World 30 years ago, I said I am going to work harder than anyone, not at Runner's World and not at Rodale, the parent company of Runner's World. I said I was going to work harder than anyone in the running industry. That was my personal goal. And uh, I went at it pretty aggressively for a lot of years. But now, but now now I can kick back a little bit and enjoy some of the fruits of my labor and uh, you know go around and meet some more people and really uh, pass the baton on to someone else who's gonna have that uh, enthusiasm and passion and can do it for another 30 years because can't be me I' you know, in my 60s, I gotta, it's time to step away. Oh, I know, but
0: Bart, I mean, uh, do you think there's anybody? I mean, you travel so much. I mean, you're, you, I, I mean, you were, I've, you know, we've met each other at several races, and, you know, Dim and I were yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is our second, you know, expo this season. And you're like, oh yeah, this is my second this weekend. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah.
2: It's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's some big shoes to fill out there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny we're saying this on a podcast for Mother Runners because I always tell people
1: I don't have kids. Uh huh. Yeah.
2: no I'm not married, so I do have this freedom to travel and do what I do. Uh, Someone that would have young kids, I mean, it would be awful to go on the road all the time. And, you know, I understand when you guys go on the road, you're missing your kids right away. And, uh, yeah. So I don't have that. So I was, I was, I was, you know, my lifestyle worked with you know my personal lifestyle worked with my professional lifestyle yeah and, and i was able to go out there and travel and i like to travel uh yeah. but traveling is arduous so after 30 years of being on the road you know it's uh yeah i, I feel those 30 years of being on the road so it'd be fun <laughs> to kick back a little bit And i i still unclear how i'm gonna uh, remain connected to the running community after I retire. It's still up in the air what I'm going to do, but uh, there's a good chance I'll stay involved some way, somehow. I just don't know. I just got got a whole year to sort things out.
0: Exactly, yeah. I'm really
2: That's- looking forward to this farewell tour and go to a lot of cities and meet a lot of runners. And, and uh, you know, I really want them to uh, enjoy the sport. If people could get as much out of it as, as I did, that mm-hmm. would be the greatest thing I could do over this past year
0: nice nice yeah so so take take us through some of the highlights of your running career including how you got started in it
2: yeah well how i got started is uh you know i i wish we had selfies back in 1976 (laughs) (laughs) we did not carry around cell phones and take selfies in 1976 but i went out for a run just to run one mile hoping i could make it one mile Mm -hmm. and you know i had long hair and a Bushy beard. I look like the guy in the Geico commercials, that caveman guy. Oh, my it's goodness.
0: Badass. Yeah. That's what I look
2: like. And the costume I really look like that. dude. I know that doesn't look like that in real life, uh, but I look like that in real life. And I had on a Budweiser T-shirt. I had on cut off jeans with a belt and knee high white socks. We're not compression socks back <laughs> <LinkedIn pretty> <laughs> was, they were called tube socks oh so sure on, please uh, I, got, oh, yeah. I
0: have a great picture of me as a 10 year old wearing uh, tube socks and a lacoste right. shirt and uh, denim cutoff <laughs> so I'm right there with ya, so, yeah. there you so yeah and that was 1976 now that I think about it yeah. so yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I, I headed out for that run and you know when I got back I didn't make it a mile it just about killed me but uh, and I thought man one mile is a long way to run I had never know. I got. <laughs> (laughs) With all these crazy ultras and all this stuff eventually. But, you know, after that run, if somebody would have looked me in the eye and said, you know what, Bart, you're going to end up running all over the world. You work at Runner's World for 30 plus years. You'll, you know, you'll be dubbed the mayor of running. I mean, I would have told them they're crazy. I was just happy to make it one mile. But that's what really happened. So thank God I took that start. And, And also, I was leading a very poor lifestyle of drugs and alcohol. I was going down the wrong path and I wanted change and needed change Mm -hmm. and you know running just gave me focus and it it really got me thinking about what I really wanted to do in my life uh, so you know and I said eventually you know got into races and doing these long runs and then when I was on these long runs I used to dream you know i'm out there running 25 miles thinking i want to be cool to have a job where i travel all over the world and meet <laughs> runners and see the world and do races in africa and you know europe and down kilimanjaro and mount everest and it really did happen my dream came true and uh you know if it it's a, it sounds a uh, cliche but if it happened to me it could happen to anyone uh-huh. and i really think that way so uh that's why that i use that tagline never limit where running could take you
1: mm-hmm. physically yeah.
2: emotionally spiritually geographically it's a powerful sport you got to mm-hmm. use it to your advantage but you know i got started i got hooked I owe a lot to my older brother george who has passed away 13 14 years ago uh, you know cuz he was really the he was really the father figure to me that pushed me and realized I could be a good runner if I really wanted to put my mind to it. And he gave me a little push here and there and, you know, shared some ideas and, but he wanted me to do it on my own. So he was a, he was a good teacher in that, in that respect. And I, I own greatly, but then I got into this running stuff and I never stopped. Uh It's been incredible. I, you know, as I say, I've used, I use the vehicle of running to take me around the world to experience different cultures, meet people all over the world, and then run in some very beautiful locations. And and also to meet some of the most inspiring people on the planet. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything.
1: Awesome. Now, what was the path that led you to Runner's World?
2: path that led me to Runner's World was sheer luck that Rodale purchased Runner's World in 1985 and moved the magazine from, San Fran- from the Bay Area, San Francisco, to Emmaus, Pennsylvania, where it is today, and very close to where I was living. And then I met a lot of Runner's World people, and they liked me, and I was pretty heavily in- involved in the local running community in what we call the Lehigh Valley, the Allentown, Bethlehem, Easton area. World is located now Uh and uh you know lo and behold i end up working there and you know it's it's just been a dream ride ever since then i love the i love the parent company rodell the rodell family Uh, i love their mission statement i love what they do outside of what we the products we produce uh what they do for the world and you know it's just been a dream
0: nice nice so, so let's dive into our topic, uh, which was suggested by a member of our tribe, and it's the logistics of getting into larger or more popular races. And I figured, yes. yeah, I figured the timing is right as, you know, folks are starting to plan their 2017 race calendars. But before we dive into specific races, Bart, what are your thoughts about registering for races these days versus back in the early days, <laughs> you know, Ooh. when you're wearing your tube socks or even just a decade or two yeah. ago?
2: You know, the newer runners are are clueless on how it was in the old days because they, (laughs) you know, they freak out if they're not live tracking at a race.
1: Right. (laughs) we'd run
2: the boston marathon and then you would wait three weeks and you'd get a postcard in the mail with your place and time and they keep in the mailbox every day waiting for that postcard and literally like three to four weeks will go by and then you would find out your place and your time there was no other way to find out
0: oh my gosh yeah uh
2: you know now people need to know their place and time while they're running right (laughs) exactly uh, yeah and they want to wear a device that Uploads it on the Facebook so everyone in the world knows they're out there <laughs> running. And- <laughs> Which I absolutely love. Uh, you know, I, I don't. I say it in a funny way, but I absolutely I love that. But, but it was much different in the old days. Yeah. And uh, and but you know, in my 40 years of uh, being immersed in this sport, by far the best and biggest change is the inclusion of everybody, of all abilities. And that's where this explosion of women in our sport happened, and I physically got to witness that, which is pretty cool. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, without that explosion of women in the sport, we would be not we would not be doing a podcast that's called Mother Runner. Right. <laughs> uh, this wouldn't have existed in the 70s. Uh, there were a handful of women out there, but nothing like today. And uh, right.
0: you know, Boston's going to be
2: really big in 2017 with Catherine Switzer running Boston on the yeah. 50th anniversary of you know, being taken off the course. Yeah. For yeah. it's past April. Bobby Gibb celebrating her fiftieth anniversary, being the first woman to run Boston.
0: Yeah, in yeah.
2: In '66. I mean, this stuff is just—it's historic and it's meaningful, mm-hmm. and it just constantly shows how far the sport has come. Yeah. And it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this—you know—to get in—that wasn't a problem in the old days to get in a race. I mean, you—you know—I remember people. Boston Marathon signing up on Saturday Sunday <laughs> and, uh, and people picking up their bid numbers out at the start of the race oh no way oh my gosh the- <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, Jock Sample, the race director. He was still the race director when I first ran Boston. He was out there with a box with bib numbers in, giving it to people that couldn't get oh to the gosh. expo. Wow! And making sure everyone had pins.
1: Uh, a <laughs> little
2: different today. Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: I'd say just so. Just a tad. But, <laughs> yeah. But you hit
2: it on the on the head, Sarah, when you said you, you got to plan this stuff. So you mm. got to know in advance the races you want to do yeah. and what fits in your schedule and the places you want to see and Mm -hmm. you you use that race to get you there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully you can get into that race. Yeah. And that's, that's the big problem. But, but I do find most people that are prepared and do it correctly, they get into most of the races. There are a couple of races that are really hard to get in, but, uh, but a lot of people just, you know, they're not, they don't know the dates of the entry. They don't enter properly. They do something that that hurts them in this process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's ways to get in these races. And, of course, there's a lot of charity bib numbers out there for for a lot of races, too. After races sell out, they always have an allotment of charity bib numbers, which uh, I think is so special about our sport because we raise a lot of money for great charities. Yeah. And it just shows that our sport is just not about you, that you can go out there and run and set a personal best and accomplish a lot, but you're also helping people while you're doing it.
1: Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Boston in particular has such a huge charity component to it, which I think is awesome. And and it and it opens it up to runners who otherwise maybe wouldn't, you know, be, be running it. And then and then they get to do a lot of good out there. So, yeah,
2: this is a lot of money for a lot of local charities in the New England area, which really helps the race.
1: Mm-hmm. And for runners,
2: there are some runners out there that don't like the charity program specifically for Boston because they think it takes away qualifying spots. But you know what? Without the charities, this race would not be what it is today. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I first ran Boston in 82, when the gun went off and we started running, uh, there were probably back then about a good 500 to 800, what they were called, bandits Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. would wait on the side. And once all the people that qualified, that had big numbers, we would start running, they would jump off the curb and start running. Mm -hmm. So they were out there running with no bib number on, they never gave the BAA two cents. Mm-hmm. And but the B, BAA had to take care of them cuz they were out there. Right, they had to make right. sure there was water for them, the streets were closed and all that kind of stuff. There's very few, I mean, very few bandits today in the Boston Marathon. Mm-hmm. But what was replaced is charity runners. Mm-hmm. So now they're out there raising money.
1: They have a bib number.
2: The BAA gets, you know, the, their money so they can you know, have all the facilities needed to take care of these people. So the charity program at the BAA's uh, Boston Marathon, is incredible. And it's a real integral part of the whole race, the way they can give back to the communities that they disrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's part of the whole thing. Like, the BAA needs these charity, this charity money to show what they're doing, you know, when they close down the roads for eight to 10 hours or sometimes right. even longer up in Huntington. the roads are closed for hours and hours before the race. And even after the
0: race. Right. On a, right. on a, on a business
1: day. Yeah. On a Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and there's, you know, not everyone runs the bus in Maryland. People want to go to work. People, people right. have jobs. I mean, it really, it's cumbersome to the average person. That's not solely connected to the race. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But having that, charity angle and all the good things that come out of it the economic impact that's what that's what a successful race really needs to have the you know to have the community behind them when they can show these big numbers how much they raise for local charities like dana farber and things like that it's incredible Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely
2: there is this thing of the, the boston qualifying standards and you know Not everyone who qualifies gets in, right? But you know, the standards are a lot easier than they used to be. When I did Boston in the old days, we all had to run two fifty, and the women had to run three twenty. Wow! And the standards were a lot tougher back in the day. So uh, yeah, you know, they got to be happy they ease those standards. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. But 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 you know, going in that there's a good chance if you get if you only have like a minute. Or a minute and a half cushion there's a good chance you're not going to get in so you know that in advance You got to really set your own personal vq time and and achieve that yeah do
0: you right. think th- do you think because of that that they're going to um you know make the restrictions even tighter than they have been I mean they dropped them back in after the 2012 or I guess after um the qualifying for Twenty in twenty ten I think they changed the times. Yeah. And they they yeah. um made them about five minutes faster. Do you think they're gonna do that again? Because I mean, you know, people sometimes aren't even getting in with times of, you know, two fifteen under the qualifying time. So that is Yeah.
2: Yeah, I know. It is tough. I my personal thing, I wish they would uh take it up another notch and improve mm-hmm. it, you know, make it five minutes fast harder or mm-hmm. faster on everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know if they'll do that. I really wish they would do that because then I, you know, the qualifying basically everyone who qualified when registration opens would get in and right. then they could fill the rest of the slots with people that qualify in the fall races like Chicago and Philly and all those races. And, you know, by the time those fall races happen, nobody can get in Boston. The entry right. process is already yeah. it, so,
0: And And they also, I mean, I feel so terrible for those people who, you know, qualify in a, race you know a a year ahead of the Boston they want to run or even 18 months ahead and so for all that time they're thinking yeah whoa I'm gonna run the you know 2017 or whatever marathon Boston Marathon and then it's like what wait I didn't I didn't get in you know and and to to hold on to that idea and that dream and that vision of that race for so long and then to have it dashed. so i do feel that by tightening the restrictions even further it would you know i'm sure that maybe that would still happen but it would happen a a whole lot less frequently and i think it would a lot i don't know fewer hopes would be dashed
2: yes i agree Yeah, yeah and it's only been like the past uh been about the past six years that it's really been hard to get into Boston because mm-hmm. I remember even in 2010, I remember being like at St. George Marathon and these people qualified and they wanted to run Boston in 2011. I said, well, make sure you enter right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and they did. And then yeah. it sold out later that day. And
0: they oh, kept, wow. Thank- oh, my gosh. They
2: They said, oh, I'm going to enter when I get home. And I said, no, no, you're going to enter from my laptop right here and get because i said i you know i know it's going to sell out because a lot of people are qualifying today there were a couple other big races going
0: on yeah uh,
2: so it's interesting how it's really changed but i i i don't know if the baa will make the standards tougher i think i wish they would would be my personal thing but Mm -hmm. I, i don't know if they'll do it or not i you know i'm not privy to the
0: oh i thought maybe you scenes. like ha- oh yeah i thought maybe you had your ear to the ground part of the ground that we don't <laughs> get to hear
2: uh-huh. yeah did uh, uh, that stuff i mean their, you know, when they if they do change it they will let let us know but till that point you know it's uh I'm sure they talk about it behind closed doors
0: yeah yeah yeah
2: i don't, yeah. I don't know that answer
0: so, uh, so let's talk about a race registration that's actually coming up before too long. Um, the biggest U.S. marathon, New York City. So, you know, it's been tough to get into for ages, but even more so now. And, and you know, talk to us about some of the workarounds there are. Like, is that three strikes in your in policy? Like if you apply three yeah. times and you get, you know, you don't get in three times. Do you truly get in the fourth time you apply?
2: I, I know you did. I, I... I heard that they did away with that so I'm not really sure if that's hmm. still around uh, I but that could have been a rumor that was going around I really don't, I can't verify yeah, it that. seems like there's a lot of urban but
0: legends I, around I, these things they, oh I
2: got, I got my I'm in, I got the three strikes I yeah. did hear people say that in the past but yeah. yeah, New York is a hard one to get in but again, a lot of people don't follow the guidelines correctly and, and screw up in the process So, mm. uh, but, but you gotta do things right on a timely basis and then hope for the best but i do like they work with local runners by doing uh, the nine race series mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. volunteering yeah. at one. i really like that i wish more races would reward people that volunteer at a lot of races and
1: yeah in, i think it's a great I'd idea
2: new york because
1: you know volunteering
2: at a race is a lot of hard work and there's a lot of runners that never ever volunteer at a race in their whole running career yeah you know they're for 20 years, and I do 10 races a year, and they complain about all these races, and I always ask them, what, have you ever worked in aid station, or given out t-shirts, or, mm-hmm. you know, and they say no, and I go, well, you know, if you do that, you may have a different perspective on uh, <laughs> you know, if one little thing is wrong, like, you know, yeah. the Gatorade cups weren't filled at to the top, or whatever, you know, <laughs> right. this is little things that... You know, so we, You know, you can grab two of them if they're not full of stuff. Like-
0: <laughs> oh, that! Oh, that Bart—he comes up with such creative solutions. <laughs> well, we'll play an active
2: role in this, and not just blame the volunteer, because we really rely on volunteers in our sport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, because New that- York
2: is a tough one, and and you know they they New York has so many of the slots. Uh, earmarked for international runners, mm-hmm. and they work with all these tour groups that you know bring in all the international runners, and then uh, and then there's just so many people that want to run it, and I understand why. When you run it, it's you know it's incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. So there
2: is this great interest, but uh, but it is hard to get in. I, I totally get it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it
2: it's one of You gotta keep trying. Eventually, you're gonna get in there one way or the other.
0: Right. Right. pretty
2: flood or or, uh, or and they do have qualifying times for New York. So if you you know, if you're a good runner and really want to go for it, they do have those times out there which guarantee you an entry.
0: Right. And That's those 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 are up. even Yeah, those are also sometimes even for can't you qualify on a fast half marathon time to get yes. into New York?
2: Yeah. 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 They really do incentivize people to run fast. If you really want to train hard and run fast, you can guarantee your slot in the New York City Marathon. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. And I think it's good just to emphasize because I think there is some confusion sometimes about New York. You do not have to qualify for New York, but you can qualify mm-hmm. for New York. So mm-hmm. I think that distinction I- needs to be made because I think people get confused about that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly true.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I also, you know, geographic distribution comes into play. It's kind of like getting into colleges. Um, when I I ran New York in 1999, so an, another lifetime ago, and um that it was back then. It was like if you got your thing postmarked by a certain day. So I, yeah. um, I uh, back then, Dimity comes into this story. I she worked at Self Magazine, and I FedExed her my application, and and there was an envelope inside, you know, a stamped envelope inside this FedEx thing. I FedExed it to her itself, and then she dropped it in a local mailbox. Yes. So it got that bang, it got the right date for the um postmark, but it got to the offices of the, you know, New York City runner, Runners Club really quickly. Yeah. And um wow. so I got in, but th- they don't have that anymore, but I mean, it does also, oh. you know, if you live within 60 miles of New York, they hold open a certain, I guess what, a third of the slots for those people, a third of the slots for um US residents outside that 60 miles and then I guess the other third is for international runners.
2: Yeah, I remember my first New York was 1982, and I dropped my entry in the post office in Manhattan. So yeah. I got on a bus from my <laughs> Look house. Look at you! And a half ride. There were about uh, ten of us, uh-huh. and we all went in and stood in line. We got there. There were other runners in line, and then dropped our stuff because you couldn't drop it there was a certain time you had to do it and we all oh, were so- in line ready to you know and it's so crazy we we went there dressed like runners like, <laughs> <laughs> to, like-
1: that'll make a difference i think we ran from the office <laughs> authority
2: down to the, to the post office but uh we had to make sure everyone knew we were runners that we we're gonna uh, try to enter the new york city marathon but i got in so it, it did work <laughs> but that seemed like a lifetime ago and i, I remember this clearly i stayed with a your friend of mine, Cliff Held, at his apartment in Brooklyn, uh-huh. you know, stayed there Saturday night, in the morning of the race. His wife dropped us off at the start line. Oh so my we, gosh. The bridge was open to traffic. I don't know if it was the lower level or one part of the bridge was still open to traffic. And she dropped us off, and you know, we could see people starting to gather at the start. We just jumped out of the car and <laughs> ran over to Fort Wadsworth, used the porta potty, and then got in line and ready to go. And that that
0: doesn't go on anymore. I am actually in um, 99. I met um, a New York City resident uh, while I was waiting to pick up my number. And so and he was one of those people, the, the New Yorkers who when they talk about the marathon, that's they yeah. only mean New York, you know, because I said, Oh, you know, he's, I was like, Oh, how many <laughs> marathons if you run? He's like, you know, Oh, nine or something. I'm like, Oh, which ones? He's like, No the marathon i'm like like, oh sorry about that and um (laughs) so then um i stayed with a friend of mine who lived in manhattan and so this guy um gave me a ride in his town car over to the start and um, and, you know it's pre-cell phone so i just you know i don't know i just said okay i'll be standing on the corner of you know i don't know first avenue and whatever and i'll see you there and and I didn't have any backup plan. Now that I think about it, like that's how I was going to get there. And so, sure yeah. enough, he picked you know and didn't ask for any favors, shall we say, or anything. So it was it was good. <laughs> <on. laughs>
2: that that's uh, it was a, literally a different world.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and, you know, I mean, you think... And also that so much of the big races now have such different policies. And, you know, so it's not just that you can't get a ride to the start, but also all the security measures and things like that. And so Uh, it it becomes a very... A completely different experience leading up to that start line, depending on which race you choose.
2: That is absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's become part... Security has become part of our life Mm -hmm. you know everywhere Mm -hmm. but it's really it's really heightened in running
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, i I think you need to consider you know what your pain points are what you're willing to have your pain points be for some of these big races you know um before you decide to sign on the dotted line yeah yeah
2: Yeah, and then once you get in then you gotta really jump on hotels airfare right away right Right. you know hotels you can do in advance because you can always cancel right airfare little different Uh, but you really have to be for these big races you really have to have a plan and be prepared Mm -hmm. and uh and also you know have to be a little flexible when you know the way things come together because Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. there's not one set blueprint to getting all these races and and all and you know it's tough and there's so many runners i meet that want to do all six majors Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and the six majors know that and they're working with people but you know it's, it's still hard to do
0: yeah, we had a we had a woman on the podcast who had run the all the majors before they added Tokyo. And oh. so then she was like, oh, no, I have to run Tokyo. And at the time, this was, I don't know, I think maybe three years ago, two years ago. And she couldn't, there was, they didn't have like an English translation of the Tokyo Marathon website. And so I think she connected <laughs> with somebody from our podcast who like told her like, Kind of even just the rules of applying. And she, she has since run Tokyo. So,
1: oh, that's wow. Cool. So it worked
2: out. Yeah. 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 It. yeah. And I guess the, the marathon majors have now created a special medal for people when they do the sixth one. They have this.
1: Oh, cool. Medal. So yes.
2: It's, it's a cool and idea. That's... And that's where, you know, so people have done all 50 states and mm-hmm. seven continents. Now you can throw in six majors. And, you know, there's all kinds of spins people are. Doing our sport. Just, you know, the beauty of our sport is you you pick what you want to do. Do you want to run fast and set these fast times for all different distances? Do you want to run in all 50 states? Do you want to do the six majors? Do you want to just stick to half marathons? I mean, you're in control. You got to find out what you really want to do and then have fun with it.
0: Right. Uh, And what what motivates you? Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And as you know, there's, you know, 99% of our sport are not elite athletes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, think of what you want to do with this sport. Uh, The one thing I do profess and ask people is uh, no matter what path you choose, whether you want to be a fast runner or just, you know, run well and run all over the country or all over the world, I just always profess. And when I talk to people personally, always think about being a runner for life, Mm -hmm. Um, Don't do this. Don't go crazy for one year and run all these races and then you're injured forever. And, you know, think of always have that in the back of your mind. You want to do this for life. Because I feel 99.9% of the runners I meet, they want to do it for life. Right. And I, I do a lot of race announcing and call in an older. Woman or, or man in a race, the crowd goes crazy, mm-hmm. and all the other runners go crazy, and they say, "Ah, oh, mm-hmm. I want to be Betty, I want to be Joe someday." eighty-five-year-old you know, <laughs> yeah. runners finishing a half marathon or a marathon, the crowd goes wild, and, and all the other all the other runners have great respect, yeah, because because we really want to be these people someday. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Bart, speaking of that, you're back to running because when you were on the podcast before, your your Lyme disease, as I recall, was kind of sidelining I'm you. Run,
2: I'm be able to run a little bit more than I have been, so it's been kind of fun. I, I think I've done about eight marathons this year, which is. Oh, wow. sure. <laughs> because I, like I knew this was getting close to the end of my. Uh, my time at runner's world so i did a couple races which i haven't done in years and just wanted to go out there and be part of it
0: oh, which which ones were those i did
2: uh so i did marine corps uh-huh. uh, uh, i ran new york with a blind runner at oh, the wow. Track club uh i did richmond which uh-huh. are, i, I gone to the richmond marathon i think 15 times i've never run the race so wow. i actually did the race. uh and you guys will love this i so, like, so I start Richmond. I really don't have a set plan other than uh, not hurt myself and not go, go out too fast. And no, uh, good goals. I'm running and I'm like 200 meters into the race. And these two women start talking to me and they said, "Bar, can we run with you? And I said, sure, let's run together. And, uh, and then they met two of their other friends. So now there's <laughs> these four women and myself. We met two meters into the race. We ran the entire race together.
1: Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's pretty amazing. Wow. wow. That doesn't
2: the often. And then <laughs> talked the whole way and really found out. I found all these stories out. And, uh, you know, they were telling me about all their kids. And I, it was amazing. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> And two of them, it was their first marathon. They were crying at mile 23. They cried the last <laughs> three miles. I'm like,
1: can't cry till you
2: finish. I'm like, stop you. <laughs>
1: You're like, what did I sign on for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I was hurt. I,
2: I think I was the, we always worked with the weakest link, whoever wasn't feeling good or slowed down a little bit. And I think in the very end, I was the weak Weakest link of everybody. I was slowing down those last couple of miles, and they stuck with me to the bitter end. It was really cool. Oh, that's awesome!
1: That's awesome.
2: can now friends for life. I hear from all the time through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, it's really cool how that stuff happens. And you can't plan that stuff. Like it just yeah. organically happens. Yeah. If I met these five women the day before the race and said or four women and said, oh, I'm wrong with you the whole way. Well, you know, we would have never found each other. It would have never worked out. Yeah. But two, two meters in the race, we found it, it. kind of connected somehow. They just introduced themselves to me, and, and then we stuck together the whole way. It was uh. really, really special. And, and, you know, those memories are what I will take with me because huh. it's, uh, you know, I did run a, a lot faster years ago than I <laughs> finished Richmond, like, you uh, about two and a half hours faster, but you know it doesn't. It, it, I, I, these are more fun memories to me because it really is special to share the passion. The One thing you know, when you're when you slow down, years of running, older age, uh, physical problems that happen, whatever it is. I mean, it, you know, it's just a progression. You're going to slow down. And you do this stuff for 40 years and keep doing it in your 60s. Uh, but you know, the one thing they can't take is the joy and the passion, and what you put into it. So, even though I run so much slower than I used to, I still enjoy it. I have so much fun out there, and uh, you know the way the, com- the running community has changed to be inclusionary. I just, I just have a blast out there.
0: And also, Bart, I really have to say, it really speaks volumes about you and your your character as a human being that that you talk about how much that run meant to you, that Richmond race meant to you, because I mean, to those four women, that was just an experience of a lifetime. And to hear you speak in the same vaunted tones about that race, that really um, says a lot about your integrity and your, uh, your heart so
2: yeah people always say like they did say this was the greatest running experience we ran with bar they said that on twitter and facebook and instagram and everywhere and i said no no guys i had so much fun like i got to hear all these crazy stories and it's it's really cool for me to you know i felt like i was them you know i Uh was looking at this race through their eyes like yeah my first marathon was 37 years ago, so mm-hmm. I, I don't have that, uh, it seems like it seems like an eternity. So when I was out there in Richmond, I felt like, oh, this is like my first marathon, because I wanted to be like, when they started crying at mile 23 and everything, I was like, <laughs> this is the coolest. <laughs> and, you know, when I, uh, the Shamrock Half Marathon I did with, uh, I ran the whole race with a, a young 14-year-old woman. Uh, young girl, 14 years old, and, mm-hmm. and it all came to her parents and this whole story. And, you know, I just, I surprised her and ran the whole race. With oh my gosh. Her. The Same thing. It was like running through the eyes of a 14 year old. It was the coolest thing. I wish I was doing a half marathons when I was 14, but this, this young girl, is a really cool story. They came to my talk the day before the race and the, the mother and father came up to me and introduced her daughter, Danielle. And they said, she she never ran because her parents were marathon runners, and she thinks when she was 10, her parents are geeks because they run marathons. <laughs> but she came to my talk and she said, Oh, Barryasso's cool because he runs, you know, bad water and whatever. So, so this girl, so her parents are like, Okay, we're not cool with Barryasso. Oh, yeah, Barryasso makes running cool. So she told her parents, I'm going to run a half marathon, and but I'm going to do a race that Barryasso's at. So they said, Well, and we have some rules. We don't want you to run a half marathon until you're 14. So this girl turns 14, walks up to her parents, said, I'm going to do the half marathon, and we're going to do Shamrock because Bart Yassau was there. So that's how this whole thing came about. Oh my gosh. And I find out this story, and then, you know, I, I pulled the parents aside. I said, can I surprise her at the start and run with her? And they said, we would love that. So it was the coolest thing. Oh. I got to actually run with this girl that I inspired many years ago to, to take up. You know, That's such a great
0: story. Um, oh, it's so it's, great. It's giving me chills. Yeah. That's awesome. And now
2: she, and now she doesn't think her parents are geeks. That's, not <laughs> <ironic>. <laughs> That's not, uh, but, but. You have kids. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. Kids get and and like, oh. They cling to you early on. Then they want to get away from you. And then they cling to you again. You know the whole thing. That <laughs> kids are. They uh, they cling to you when they're young, and then they want to disassociate with you because they're older. And then when they don't have any money, they want to cling to you again. That's what I take out of it from, from all the Parents, I talk to. But it was so cool to run with this young lady, and just think. You know, that whole time I was running, I just. I was 14 running my first half marathon because I was, I was doing whatever she was doing, and it's and it's really cool, and I was lucky I was able to keep up with her. <laughs> I, I, I keep in touch with her parents, and I know I can't keep up with her anymore.
0: But that's oh my goodness! I, oh wow. wow! Wow!
2: Now she's a lot faster. She's running halves in like 1:32. Oh
0: my and goodness! Wow! Yeah. That's great! She wow! Yeah, like
2: part 2:12 or something like that in her first half. I and mean, she was 14 and just uh, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. A kid in braces like that perfect, you know, <laughs> it was so cool. And she had no clue I was gonna run with her.
1: Yeah, oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. I yeah. knew what
2: crowd she was in, I knew what she was wearing, and I worked with the race announcer. And you know, we announced her name and said, Bart, wants to just give you a high five, and you know, so she was waving. And I kind of down and said, Guess what? I'm gonna run with you. <laughs> I'd like, love, and that stuff you can't script when that yeah. happens organically. Yeah that is the most fun running with these four ladies just organically happened literally 200 meters in the race. You know, how does it happen? How did we end up in the same corral? How, I, I have no idea, but I'm just glad it worked out like that. Very I'm sorry cool. I cut you off. I no, make- no, 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 no,
1: oh, no, no. Go ahead. I, I was just going to ask. I remember, um, a, a few years ago I got to visit your office and I remember you had bibs yep. all over your walls. Yes. Do you have an idea of how many races you've run over the years? Do you keep track?
2: Oh, you know, I'm working on a training book right now, and that's one of the things they want to put on the jacket of the book, how many (laughs) races I've run. And, uh, you know, I, from what I can track, it's like 1,500-ish. Wow. Exactly, because, you know, in the old days, I would have training a lot with every time and every race I did, and then eventually I was like, I don't want to do that stuff anymore. (laughs) You know, I I didn't keep track of it. And then you know, when you work at Runner's World and travel all these races, it just it's it's a different animal than if I was paying to go to a race and travel. You know, yeah, you know, being uh, just a runner versus. Doing this as your profession, so I lost track of all that stuff. But I do have a lot of bib numbers, yeah. and yeah. I got a lot of finisher medals. I auctioned a lot of them off for charities. Oh wow! But oh, cool. I still have some, so you know, I can get a rough feel on. Uh, it, it it is fifteen hundred ish. I'm sure or something like that.
1: Which, uh-huh. you That's know,
2: fantastic. People have run a lot more, and uh, but you know, it's it's. I'm not a numbers guy. I don't like to you know say, oh, this is my whatever number. I just. I just love to be out there, to be honest, just connecting with the community. I'm just happy. I'm still part of the community and I feel very fortunate for that opportunity.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So then, so then what's on your 2017? What races are you thinking about doing for your, for your victory lap with, uh, runners?
2: Yes. So the farewell tour, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm going to go to a lot of the, you know, the big ones that we always do, New York, Chicago, Boston, of course. Uh Uh, but, you know, then there's races like Big Sur, which I've done a bunch of yeah. times you Go, which I would like to do. There's a couple that I really, you know, if I haven't run it recently, I, I hope I can go out there and, uh, you know, just get to that finish before I uh, <laughs> before I close it down. But <laughs> I think I can run, you know, like five-hour-ish if I really can get in a little bit of training and go out there and just, uh, you know, have fun with a couple more marathons. Uh, but I did – I. You know, I was supposed to run Big Sur this past April. But uh-huh. I, I actually had a hernia surgery right before it, so I oh, couldn't no. run it. Still thinking of running it, even like a week after the surgery, but it didn't work out. Oh, not a good but idea. But yeah. <laughs> the race director, Doug Thurston, I was talking to Doug and Sally Smith, who works on the race, and I said, you know, last time I, ran, I last time I did Big Sur, I won twenty-five hundred dollars. I was the first <laughs> Masters runner. The guys, give me a check. Twenty five hundred dollars. I said, "This year, you guys, you may pay me twenty five hundred dollars not to run." (laughs) (laughs) You know, be out there for five and a half hours, and they had that serious cutoff, and they just looked at me like I was crazy. (laughs) They didn't believe I would be out there that long, and then eventually, I I didn't. I wasn't able to run it. I wasn't too. That hernia surgery was a little more uh, uh, invasive than I thought it was going to be, so I didn't end up running it but but that would be that would be one that would come to mind if i could do big sir i'd love to go back to comrades in, oh. which is in, i don't know if i can physically do it i'm mm-hmm. really happy to see if I can get on some training miles because comrades at hilly 56 miles but uh you know i did it in 2010 i would love to go back because it is by far my greatest running experience mm-hmm. uh, but i just don't physically know if I could do it. So i got to sort it out and see uh, what, I, what I can accomplish. But, wow. this, but this World Tour, the bottom line is really connecting with people. You know what, so when I go to a race, whether it's in D.C. or Denver or San Francisco, I want to stay after the race or maybe go out a couple of days before the race and do stuff at running stores and bookstores and uh, you know, just connect more with people not just during the race and at the race expo like make it more of a you know connect with the running clubs and everything as i head head to these cities for the last time as a runner's world chief Mm -hmm. running officer
0: I think what you gotta do Is be like John Madden And just get like A big motorhome Because you know It's like Because you don't have time To like fly from Emmaus Out to San Francisco And then back home again Before you have to go off To like Indianapolis So just like you know Drive around the country I think that's the ticket And and you could totally Get people You could get women You know Mother Runners To to drive You know They'll have snacks for you You know They'll have, they'll have hand wipes they'll, they'll, they'll have you hooked up Mother Runners
2: are the best Because they
0: Are prepared And they just have-
2: have all this stuff that you need i know like, i know <laughs> they're gonna have
0: hand sanitizer for you so you're not gonna get yeah. sick between Start your races
2: your bag and pull out some food right and you're right hand sanitizers yeah, yeah. And baby white right. a long way with just a few amenities mm-hmm. and uh, i i gotta kick you guys are all. So <laughs> well if you, it, the
0: yep yep if you need us to rally the troops we will put out the word and i know that you'll get taken care of bart so oh,
2: yeah, that is cool. yeah. That's so uh,
0: all right <laughs> well we'll let you go but i know that um the ladies are going to be so excited to see you out there at various races next year and and thanks a ton for joining us again
2: oh thank you sarah and amanda and, and keep doing what you're doing because you guys are such an inspiration i know people you know i'm one of seven kids uh-huh. and i would. Watch my mom take care of seven kids. I don't know how she ever did it, uh, but she she did it with, you know, pride and joy. And you know, I know you guys are inspiring people to, you know, it is about your kids and taking care of your kids. But you got to take care of yourself.
0: Yep, absolutely. Amen. You,
2: know, you got to be happy, or no one's gonna be happy. And you got to be healthy, or no one's gonna be healthy. And you gotta you gotta carve out your time. It's oh. not a bad thing. It's not a selfish thing. It's actually making everyone happy and i love what you guys the message you have and what you're out there doing so keep inspiring because you guys inspire me i get to meet these women that just go out there and crush it and do these crazy things and juggle two kids or one child or whatever it is it's pretty special and i I absolutely love what you do so keep at it
0: well well thank you bart that's uh wonderful of you to say thank you so much
1: yeah Uh, well it it was a, a real treat to have you on the show that's for sure
2: yeah, thank you so much.
1: Thanks. Take care.
2: See ya.
0: Well, I gotta say, Amanda, I have tears in my eyes listening to Bart talk and to, I mean, he just, he just gets, I mean, that what he was saying there at the end. I mean, he just gets what it is that drives mother runners. You know, and
1: he absolutely does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, which is a, a, such a, this is such a. It, it, that's a great feeling when you are a mother runner. Yeah. <laughs> to hear that from someone and to have it reinforced, and you know, and it, it's, it's pretty cool. And, and you know, it's, it's no surprise that he has all the following that he does. Oh,
0: I know. And, know? and such, such a humble man. I mean, Yes Oh my goodness. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, yeah. I just would love to talk to those, those four women who ran with him. I mean, that <laughs> was. Ch- you know, or that, that, that teenager,
1: that girl, yeah. right. Oh my right. gosh. You know, and yeah. I'm sure
0: she went into yeah. her school and was like, Oh my gosh, I got to run with Bar Yes. And they're like, what you did, what, what's a half marathon? Who's, <laughs> yeah. who's this Bar guy you ran with the Simpson? Like, come on, like what's going right. on. And I mean, you know, but that's, that, you know, it's going to be a shining memory in those people's lives forever. Um,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Full yeah. cool stop.
0: All right, ladies, it's time to send your loved ones to the Mother Runner store. That's at motherrunnerstore.com. It's where you're going to ask for the sassy tees we sell, the really cute sweatshirts. If you ran a half marathon or a marathon this year, we have sweatshirts that proclaim the number 13.1 or 26.2 on the front. Um, I just wore my really cute um, Mother Runner flag hoodie. It has this big flag on the back that has our Mother Runner kind of through the middle of it. It's an awesome hoodie. It really tells the world who you are and that you're proud of what you do. Um, We have really cute Momentum uh, wrap bracelets. Some say Stay Strong. Another one says Many Happy Miles. Shoe tags. We have really cute hats, new trucker hats that are coming in to our store i um, going to try to get them up on the site on the 12th, so um, still time to get those in time for the holidays. So head on over to MotherRunnerStore.com for yourself, for presents for people. Uh, you will, um, there'll be a lot of smiles um, under the tree and around the holiday candles um, when you open up a gift from the Mother Runner store, which, you know, it sounds like I should have some cheesy music that goes along with that. But um, anyway, and I'll be the person filling your order. Um, <laughs> So, so keep me busy down here. Um, so, uh, whatever race you're daydreaming about, um, many happy miles.